You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Dipping is generally frowned upon, whether it's receiving two government paychecks or slipping your chip back into the guacamole after taking a bite. Terry Nation, the creator of the Daleks, apparently didn't get that memo. Terry negotiated a contract with the BBC that probably still gives studio heads nightmares. He owned the Daleks. To this day, the BBC has to license them to use them, and somehow Nation also owned the stories he wrote with the Daleks. So, in a move that could never happen, today, Terry Nation rewrote the first two Dalek stories from Doctor Who and sold them as movie scripts with virtually identical titles. I'm Jessica Lynn and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for August 5th. And today we look at the movie version of the second outing of the Daleks, 1966, Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD, with Peter Cushing as the Doctor. There are many, many changes between the six-episode TV serial and the movie version. Ian and Barbara are absent, the Doctor's granddaughter is here, but she's about 10 instead of 18, and new character Louise is the Doctor's niece. Hmm. We're also treated to a wonderful performance by Bernard Cribbins, who you may remember as the brilliant Wilford Mott from the 10th Doctor's tenure. The movie is probably best described as uneven. Cushing pales in comparison to William Hartnell's Doctor, but that comes down to writing. This was a Dalek movie, not a Doctor Who movie. The Daleks were quite a bit more prominent here. We see them actually flipping switches and operating controls. Their plungers have been replaced by robotic claws. At one point, a Dalek operates a control on par with a stick shift. The BBC had never more than three functioning Daleks back then. If you saw more, they were static shells or edited with film loops. Here, not only do more of them move about, but they cover more territory than ever before. We see one rising out of the River Thames. We see them trundling on cobbled streets and through rubble. Still, the Dalek's flying saucer is not short on ramps inside. So while Cushing's Doctor is bright, he doesn't have the screen time to be as acerbic as Hartnell. And while he's only five years younger than Hartnell, Cushing does introduce something for which the Doctor would become well-known. He runs. Bernard Cribbins delivers better than the director deserved. As Constable Tom, he opens and closes the story and steals most of his scenes. Watch for the scene when Cribbins is pretending to be one of the robotized humans. It's the standard sight gag about a person trying to fit into a group that has a well-choreographed routine, but he makes it look entirely believable and unrehearsed. The reason for Susan being cast as a child and Jill Curzon being added as Louise is baffling. Perhaps they wanted a kid to get children to watch, but Louise is completely superfluous. More curiously, in the TV rendition, this was the story where Susan left her grandfather, or where he left her on Earth to marry her beau and have a life. Hartnell's parting speech is one of his best-remembered scenes. The movie deserves props for having a major supporting character in a wheelchair, and the ruined city scenes are perfectly believable. The same can't be said for the fighting, because there's no short of poorly delivered punches and falls. On the other hand, the production went well above board for the computers and whiz-bang controls in the Dalek ship. Some of the lighting effects and board designs would have been brilliantly convincing in the day. And we have to recognize the Dalek flying saucer itself. The undercarriage is reminiscent of the hood of a Jaguar E-type, while the top is comprised of two huge counterspinning sections, 
both surrounded by seemingly independent lighting, it's genuinely impressive given other alien ships of the era. While some of the acting is stodgy and Cushing's Doctor is pretty forgettable, the movie still has a lot to commend it. Stephen Moffat, in writing the novelization of the 50th anniversary special, included an explanation that the first Doctor allowed movies to be made of his exploits, and so liked Cushing that he took him forward to appear in a movie filmed after his death, a tie-in for Rogue One. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5 for August 5th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.